June 4th, 2017. Don't wanna ruin your night, but by now you know it was a big mistake to invite me over cause I can't get a grip. I don't have the traction tonight, any sort of social interaction. Spin me out, I wish I knew how. Calm the fuck down without attracting such attention to myself and bumming everyone. From the banks of the Huron River, this is the MCR Herbercast. Didn't you have a whole St. Joseph's Trail or something? This is the second, second This is the second season, and we're not going to do that this season. Okay. <laughs> uh, hello and welcome, MCR Herber Reels, to the beeping. To the beeping. To the very first episode of the very second season of the MCR Herbercast. I'm pretty pumped to be back. Are you pumped to be back, Hanger? Oh, yeah, I definitely am, man. You called me, and I was like, finally. Finally. Is that what else were you like? You were... No, I mean just finally. I mean like So you've been champ. We, we 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 did a good run. We did a good run. What was it like twelve episodes? Seventeen plus a Halloween Se- episode. Seventeen and Halloween. Uh plus three off week updates. Wow, alright. So that was a lot better than I thought we did. You thought we only did twelve episodes? I did. Obviously I said that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright, well our music this week was from a man named Marco Aziel. What band was he in otherwise? He was in some other band, right? His voice is very familiar. Yeah, well, we'll get into all that. All right, all right. That was his track, Party Song Number 1, from his new album, Explains Himself. Sure. Oh, that, that's cute. I don't know if you know this, Ingram, but February is album writing month. Really? Yeah, just like, well, it's like... also Black History Month, and not to diminish <laughs> Black History Month, but it's also album writing month. Is this the only time you're supposed to do that? No, it's just uh, get together for uh, for February and write some albums. What together with other people? Well, in general, just it's a it's it's month set aside to write an album in. All right. Just like uh, November is novel writing month. Did you write a novel? No. Okay. But I'm saying, last February, Marco here. Yeah, he he wrote this in this month. Or well, the last, last month February, of this? the entire uh, the, all of those songs were written last February. So he takes album. it seriously then. Yeah, I guess this he does. is an important month to him. He produced the whole thing over three consecutive nights. Because you know, like there's talk like a pirate day, and lots of people, you know, just don't do it. Because well, you know, yeah. I don't think any holiday should be compulsory. Well, what are you talking about? Like, you shouldn't have to do any holiday. You shouldn't yeah, I have guess. to. What, actually, let's let's try and figure out a holiday that you really should have to do. Fourth um, of July is big for uh, Americans, but you don't have to celebrate it. You don't have to. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, you got me there. That's all I'm saying is like I don't think any holiday should require celebration. That sounds a little North Korea y. And a lot of people have a problem with Thanksgiving. That was the second one I was going to go for. But, you know, yeah, you we fucked over some people to do that one. Yeah, you don't have to celebrate Thanksgiving if you don't uh, want to. Halloween. And no one did... Actually, no, people don't do Halloween all the time. They put their lights off and they don't even put up a, a spider web. Yeah, not everyone does Halloween. All right, so yeah, okay, sure. All right, you don't have to do holidays. That's sad. Well, I'm glad we settled on that. Anyway, <laughs> if you want to pick up Marco's new album, you can go head off to his band camp. That's Marco Aziel, A-Z-I-E-L. 
dot Bandcamp. You can get a you can get a cassette Ingram or a CD. <laughs> wow, that's that's great. Well, I mean, you can get the digital downloads too. Can I also included. get the thing to play them on at the same place? No, <laughs> but not everybody doesn't have a CD player. I mean, most people have a CD player. All right, <laughs> that was that, that. That's just a bad jam. My apologies. Yeah, man, he was nice enough to uh, actually. We actually have permit. We don't have to do a review of this song because we have I know, permission to cool? use it. We've never done this before. Yeah, but... usually we have to like pretend to uh, be illustrating something with our songs. But yeah, so what else was he in, right? I remember him from things. Did you already say that? What happened? No, that's it's coming up later. Later? We're reviewing the song. But it's coming up later what other groups he's in. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> it had a nice lo-fi sound to it. I'm sorry, he, did There you... was obviously some more people in the band other than him, right? Or did he eight-track it and do it all well, of course, Yeah, of course it's multi-tracked. Right. Most of that is him. Uh, oh, I'm cool. not sure right. specifically what wasn't him, but I know most of the whole album is him. But that's the deal. Well. So that's page one, Ingram. <laughs> all right, all right. Page one's going to be really quick today because we've got one hell of a page two coming up. Nifty, nifty. Page two. Page two is going to be crazy. But first, I, I thought I could talk about our page one sponsor. Oh, of course. Page one brought to you by... I know you love tacos, Ingram. Sure, yeah. I know you love tacos. So let me tell you about this new taco spot. A new taco spot. Out on Is Ipsy's east side. All on, right. Uh, corner of Michigan Ave and Harris, right next to the Valley World. Oh, sure, sure, There is yeah. a new taqueria. Right by, like, the Peapot Inn and stuff, or whatever nope, it's called. not right by. Close enough. Okay, sure. <laughs> anyway, it's called La Marquesa. La Marquesa, all right. It's really good, man. They've got El Pastor. They've got chunks of pineapple just How's in with the How's their chorizo, though? Done the chorizo? Yeah, yet? the chorizo's great. Chorizo's always fine. Chorizo's it's hard always to screw good. Up sausage. Well, man, I mean, I'm waiting for the place that screws up chorizo, and then that's that's the definitive never never go there. Oh, okay. Well, I, I guess I like to concentrate on places that do things well, and you know, make a point to go to those, and not the places that do things badly, and then make a point to avoid them. Okay, okay, that's your style. I understand. Do you though? Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. All right, so they got a good uh, Al Pastor. Do you, I mean, they do a good uh, carnitas? They do a great carnitas. All right, did, like they do, did they give you uh, the, the lime and stuff? Or of course they like give that? you the lime. All right. it's, it's did it start you off with chips and salsa? Well, I, uh, you know, I guess I didn't dine in. I took out. Oh, okay, well, so, we'll leave that one up to the viewers. You tell yeah, us. yeah, you'll have to let us know whether or not they just start you off with those chips and salsa. Chips and salsas. Dude, some chips and salsas, man. Ooh, some of those restaurants get it right. Oh, it's so nice. Like which ones? Uh, I've always... Oh, goodness. What was it called? La Casita? No. Uh, was it La, La Casita? Casita. La, it's, on, uh, it's on Washtenaw, right behind the Huckleberry Hound. Yeah, I've always enjoyed that store. place quite a bit. They also do a very nice uh, horchata. You know, I'm not partial to horchata. Taste their own, but you're kind of doing it wrong. No, I'm just... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not super duper into it. There's just uh, something about it. It doesn't, it doesn't have the same appeal to me as it seems to for so many other people. Fair enough. Well, they do everything very well, including the horchata. Oh, you see this? But Bob just doesn't do it. There's some thunder in our thunderclouds up here. Sure, sure. Well, as usual, driving. We thought about not driving, but I'm very happy that we are. Well, I'm, I'm, gl I'm glad you're pumped about it then. Yeah, let's go that way, away from the thunderclouds. That's what we're doing. All right. So... Wonderful tacos at, tell me again. La Marquesa. La Marquesa. Is that like uh, the Americas? What is that stand for? What's, what's the Mexican? I think it's the market. 
The market. Oh, Marquesa. Marquesa. Yeah, that makes sense. Or like that the Mark. I don't know. Shit. The fact that I, I should know. I should know, <laughs> but I don't. Uh, La Marquesa, East Michigan Ave, right by the Valley World. Check it out. Little classic hole in the wall Mexican spot. Excellent. All right, so that's gonna move us on to page two. The massive page two. The infamous page. Two. This is gonna be a big page two, Ingram, because I have one hell of a story to share with our listeners. In fact, this is the story, this is really the reason I started the podcast more than anything else, was to tell this one story. Right, this is the infamous episode two story. Yeah, our lost episode, episode two. Can we name this episode 18, episode two? Okay. I've kind of been gerunding all the titles. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Which is basically when I come up with a title for something, I try and force it on you, and then you kind of do it. Oh, okay. So we could try to force that title. Episode 2 is a great name for an episode that's not the second episode. Episode 2, Part 2, The Rebirth. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) what I wanted to talk about, Ingram, this year, the University of Michigan is celebrating its bicentennial. So this is the year. Yes. Last time we were we were gonna catch them before Wait, they even started. Yeah, well now we were gonna nip it in the bud, kinda sure. But this is the year, 2017. The year. They celebrated their bicentennial uh, at their commencement speech this uh, spring. Uh, there was a big rousing speech about being the bicentennial class. Everyone's pushing it really hard. Bicentennial is what 200 years? 200 years. The. Uh, they're celebrating 200 years since the founding of the University of Michigan in 1817. Now, Ingram, what if I told you <laughs> that's not really the year the University of Michigan was founded? I remember I was so shocked the first time I heard this. Well, <laughs> that brings me to my brand new segment, Retroactive Continuity and Language Gone Mad, the University of Michigan's by Nonagenennial. Nonagenennial. By not a genennial. Oh, excuse me. By not a genennial. Because, uh, you know, I'm not going to bury the lead. I'm going to put my thesis statement right out in the front here. Sure. The University of Michigan, as we understand it today, was not truly founded until 1837. 1837? That's 20 years? 20 years later. Ma- ma- making so, this the... bidecennial? What is what? that? A bidecennial? What the hell are you talking about? Well, 20 years. What is that? Like, if a centennial just, is 100 years, okay. then a sen- then yeah, yeah, yeah. a decennial... Is ten years, right, or something like that? Yeah, something like that. But that <laughs> that means nothing. Like that's just a yes. It's randomly twenty years. So they're now. off by a bidecennial. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yes. Yes. So it's one hundred and eighty years instead of two hundred. Damn. Getting real. If you're getting wrapped up on crazy words at this point, I hate <laughs> to see where you're going to be in about eight minutes. So that's my that's my that's going to be my thesis. Ingram. That's your gumption. Yeah. Now I would like to point out at this moment right here. I have been trying since February to get anyone from the university onto this podcast to talk about this fucking story with me, and not a single person has responded. Well, that's so not it's true. a conspiracy. That's not true. There's one woman who is in charge of the communications for the bicentennial itself, who has, at this point, I know for a fact, listened to a couple episodes of this podcast. All right, all right. Because for some reason, she signed into SoundCloud to do it. <laughs> so, like, I see her right there with the Michigan yeah. Bicentennial logo right next to you her You gotta name. like those old people who don't forget to sign out and go incognito. Yep. Yeah, or, like, <laughs> you don't even need to be signed in to listen to the podcast. I don't know. Yeah. Like, she made an account. Anyway, so she uh, neglected to get back 
to me and so did a couple of other people. And so basically there is no university representative having fact-checked any of my stuff. That so, being said, I am not gonna just throw crap out there for fun. I'm not Sean Hannity topical. Topical, yeah, topical. I don't know who that is. So, that means it's super topical. So even though the university <laughs> doesn't have to uh, respect my side of the story, and I would also like to say that I'm not trying to take away from their bicentennial. I'm really not, because I don't care. They can go ahead and celebrate whatever. They can celebrate uh, 1706 as their founding year, for all I give a shit. Sure. Like, but I would like to point out that it's like a really weird U of M sort of story here. Okay, so. What's 1706? Was that America founding? No, that's just a random year I pulled out. What was America found like? Uh, 1776 was 76. the Declaration of Independence. You tricked me with the six at the end. 1706. I that wasn't was trying to trick you. Anyways. All right. Anyways. <laughs> Actually, all right. So we are breaking the story. Well, let's pause here. Let's okay. pause here until we can get to a place with some light so I can look at my fucking notes. You got it. You got it. Because, dude, there's just so many notes. There's so many notes. What do you think? U of M parking lots this time of day, right? They'll be open. Are we close to U of M? Yeah, well, North Campus. It's like right up the road here. Oh, it's a giant sprawling mess, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. So this is a U of M place? Yeah. Which one is it? Arts? I don't know. Shit. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Hold on. Go up to that sign. Let's figure it out. Oh, my God. Is that a, even a sign? That's a kiosk? That's a kiosk. That's not a sign. Come on now. It's just a building. We're on North Campus. It, it had a sculpture out front. It might be the arts. Okay. It might be, but I don't think it is. There's art sculptures in front of lots of buildings. It's also got a lot of sprinklers. You think it's the waterworks kind of place? I don't think those sprinklers are Hydrology related to the function sciences? of the building. I think those are more useful. Like I think those sprinklers represent their need for green grass. Look at those arcs. They're all hitting each other. Yes, yes, they are. Okay, Ingram. All right, notes, notes, notes. The story for the University of Michigan begins in 1814. A man named Augustus B. Woodward. That's three years previous to what they say it is. Yeah. Okay. A man named Augustus B. Woodward is speaking to a friend of his named Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson? No way. Yep. The Jefferson. All right, do it. They're discussing Woodward's dream of classifying all human knowledge, an endeavor that he calls the Encathal Epistemia. I remember I made so much fun of these stupid words that this guy comes up with. Doesn't he do like three other things that are totally stupid sounding? He does a lot of things that are totally stupid sounding. All right, let's keep going. This is great stuff, guys. So Augustus B. Woodward was a territorial judge for the Michigan Territory. Territorial judge. All right. He was also a city planner. He was responsible for the shape, the layout of the streets of Detroit to this name, to this day. He How is, are the streets in Detroit? Are they good? They're fine. Or are they all messed up? Well, they're all messed up, but that's what he wanted, so I mean. All right, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Woodward Avenue is named for him. He was a strange dude. All right. Sure. He was well known for how strange he was. He was tall. He was like the prototypical Ichabod Crane. He was also a lifelong bachelor. He would sleep in his office that he never swept, and he would always wear nut-brown suits. He was like a weird he dude. He never swept? Is that like a specific note that was made about him? Yeah. Why he is that He never so? swept it. 
But he was an influential dude, especially in Michigan. He was a judge of the territory. You know, he had a lot of power exactly. in the He's territory. He's supposed to be doing quite well. In 1816, he wrote a paper called a, uni- <laughs> or a System of Universal Science. And in this paper... That's ambitious. He outlines 13 didaxium that he puts forth as being the 13 professorships that will make up his encathal epistemia. Which is the entire professional knowledge base? What is what, What's the, uh, it's the all, thing? It's all human knowledge. All is, human knowledge, right. That's how he said it. All yeah. human knowledge. But he outlines the 13 professorships, the didaxium. So I thought we could play a game. If you want to go into your glove box. Oh, shit, yeah. Or, yeah, go into the glove box and get your clipboard and notes. All right. We've got a fun game for you to play. It's called Name That Didax. All right, so... Oh, shit, I supposed to turn it around? Not yeah, turn, turn it around. We've all got right. all 13 didaxi, didaxium that uh, Woodward outlined in his paper here. So I thought you could start off. Uh, re- read number one there. <clears throat> I feel like some of these might be easy. Some An- of these might be easy. Anthropoglossica. Anthropoglossica. I mean, that's the study of humans, right? The, the lineage history of humanity? That's actually the study of literature. Li- literature. I guess we're the only people writing books. So, yeah, it kind of makes sense that that might be the case. Sure. Moving on. Uh, Mathematica. I, I couldn't tell you, Bob. I think it has to do with algebra. Um, You're correct. That is mathematics. <laughs> Some of these are easy. <clears throat> Next. Physiognostica. Now, Physiognostica. Uh, let's see. Gnostic. Is that the study of maybe religion or non-religion? Like, what are we talking here? Physiognostica is the study of natural history. Natural history. Number four. Is there? Is there? Number four. Oh, all right. Well, now we're gonna go into these. It's right. not worth it. There's, there's the whole. Physiosophica. Physiosophica. Sophica. All right, Sophica. That makes more sense. Uh, got some philosophy kind of type words in there. Uh, study of the human mind. How it works. Natural philosophy. Natural philosophy. All right. Okay. <clears throat> Number five. Astronomia. Sky stuff. Space stuff. Astronomy. Space Astronomia stuff. is astronomy. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. Uh, Chimia? Chimia. Chimia. Um, I wonder if it has anything to do with chimeric stuff. So it would be the collection of how things fit together? Like, what are you supposed you to do? You know, you really, yeah, you're bumping, it's chemistry. Chemistry. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, how things fit together, right? <laughs> I mean, chemistry. Iatrica. 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 All right. Uh, Iatrica. That's short. That does, that's not giving me enough. This one's a little uh, strange. Don't got it. Don't got it. Just medicine. Iatrica Medi- is medicine. Moving on. Number eight. All right. Moving on. Right. Right. We're not going to spend any time. It's not really worth discussing because the whole thing is stupid. that they're fucking weird and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's got that OE thing where they're connected. It's it's part of the O. It's, it's part of the oeconomica. E. Oeconomica. Well, that's that sounds like a lot about money. Economical sciences. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ethica sounds like ethics. Ethica is ethics. All right. Number 10. Polemitactica? Polemitactica. Uh, political power and tactics thereof? Military tactics. All right. <laughs> uh, diegetica. Ooh. Oh. Diegetica. Diegetica is... Uh, why do I not know what diegetic is? I, I actually know what the word is. You right? know, I just want to... Oh, man. There was this game called, like passphrase or something you had to like spell out a word and then everyone had to guess your word through like guessing letters that are in your okay. word anyway i played the word diegetic and i won well i didn't win but no one guessed my word 
So this is funny. It keeps coming up in my life now. Diegetic is, um, well, diegetic, it means of or pertaining to diegesis, which is tales told with a narrative and a narrator. So diegetica is historical oh, science. Oh, that's where I know it from, right? A diegetic interface in video games is something that is like it's telling the story to you. Yeah, it's within the the game world. Yeah, like, it's the, your yeah, options yeah, menu yeah. is going to a desk and yeah. like changing things on the desk to affect the settings of the game. Right. All right. Yeah. Good stuff, Bob. Good All stuff. All right. So diegetica, <clears throat> historical sciences, uh, number twelve. Ennoeica? Ennoeica. There's like three vowels, right? Ennoeica. Ennoeica. I'm just going to say it like that. This is the dumbest one. Enno? The study of outside influence? I don't fucking know. It is the intellectual sciences. Just the intellectual ones, right? Yeah, as though chemistry or medicine or astronomy weren't very intellectual. Yeah, they're not. They're easy. Okay, so they're the last, easy. the final one, number 13. All of these, are, 13. All of these are layman sciences, all right? Okay. This, the number 12, you know, that, that covers a good chunk. Uh, catholepistemia? I assume that's... Catholepistemia. Uh, Universal Christianity sciences. sciences. Universal sciences. Universal? Yeah, so now we have like four different kinds of sciences, including uh, intellectual and... Anyway... So these were the 13 didaxium that Augustus B. Woodward outlined in his seminal work, uh, A System of Universal Science. I did pretty decent, right? Yes, you did. That was actually pretty good. You did. <laughs> so now, in 1817, Woodward, being a territorial judge, sure. does something well within his power. He drafts an act establishing the Catholo Epistemiad, or university, comma, of Michigania. Not of Michigan, but of Michigania. Yeah. Like, Michigan with an I-A, thus making it a Latin place. Sure. Um, <laughs> this, this was signed into law on August 26th, 1817. All right. This, this is, is the number. This is the number that ostensibly will be celebrated by the university hardest this year. This, sure. Uh, uh, August 26th. Now, there are some interesting things that happened with this founding. Mm -hmm. uh, for one, the Reverend John Monteith was made president of this original institution. Sure. And Father Gabriel Richard was made vice president. Now, they had silly names. They were called the didactors. Sure, why not? He loves this stuff. Yeah, Didax, because, exactly. Didax. He loves it. Now, um, I would like to get really quick. University, Ingram, what does the word university mean to you? The place that people go to learn, right? The intellectuals gathering. Okay, fair. I guess, what do you think separates a university from a college? Like, in your mind? Huh. Well, obviously, there's there's very little difference nowadays, right? I I couldn't... I didn't know the difference. So I looked it up. And the, yeah, I don't know the difference either. <laughs> the best I can tell is that a college is a single school that grants degrees. Like, post-secondary school degrees. Is a university a sprawling mess? A university is one or more schools... Sure. That, and another thing that like defines universities is giving out graduate degrees, like not just bachelors, but also master's degrees. Uh -huh. uh, like another, like yeah, law schools, medical schools, not just undergraduate studies. That's kind of what defines They're a college university, plus. right? So, just to make it clear, because you can call something a university without it actually being a university. I think mm -hmm. we have a pretty good present day example of that. <laughs> 
with a certain university founded by our 45th president, who is actually in court right now defending the fact that it doesn't really seem to be a university. Uh, so there, there are precedents that just because we call stuff things doesn't make them so, right? I don't actually know what you're talking about. Come on, give me this. What's oh, the Trump University. Oh, yeah, let me show that guy. Yeah. Oh, he's the 45th, isn't he? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so Trump University isn't really a His... university, despite the fact <laughs> we call it one. Right. So I'm just establishing a precedent yeah. right, that right maybe on. we don't get to just call things stuff. They actually have to be those things. So anyway... Well, that's a weird stance to take with this guy. He's calling stuff all kinds of things. And so what I'm saying, he founded right. a catholoepistemiad, or <laughs> university, of Michigan. Teaching the didactic sciences. He funded it. Two-thirds of it was funded by the Freemasons, of which Woodward was a member. Well, I mean, back in those days, Freemasons were big. Yeah, they were. They were big. They, uh, they agreed to pay $250 over five years. Holy schmoly. Yeah, yeah, big Ooh. spenders. Tamale and heat. The cornerstone for the building for the Catholic Epistemiad was laid on September 24th, 1817. Okay, we're a, still in that number. About a month after <laughs> they signed this act, it was placed at the corner of Congress and Bates in Detroit. Mm -hmm. Interesting fact, though, it was five days later that the Treaty of Fort Miggs was signed, officially giving that land away from the Indians to the city of Detroit for the purpose of establishing, quote, a college at Detroit. Okay. So they started building the place before they actually had the land to build it on. Well, I'm, I mean, he was a territorial I, judge. I'm sure he had some I'm, sway. I'm not judging anybody for doing <laughs> it. I just think that's an interesting uh, yeah. uh, uh, thing that happened. <laughs> so now let's flash forward. It's, eight, it's October of 1817. And we've got Father Gabriel Richard and uh, <clears throat> Reverend Monteith, the president and vice president, they have not, they are, they get together and they decree the formation of the, quote, first college of Michigania. Despite the fact that at this time, no college was actually organized yet. Sure. And the only thing that was going on at that building was a primary school and a classical academy, neither of which could be considered college level studies. Yeah, sure. Now let's flash forward to 1821. Wait, so did these, <laughs> these guys, the didactors, right? Uh -huh. That's what they were called. Did they actually try and teach this methodology of the 13, 12, yes, whatever Yes, yes, this is exactly how and they taught them to little kids. No, because that's the thing. It was just a primary school at the time. All right, so they just had a school, and they called it a college. Other than, <laughs> other than this didaxium system, uh, what's his name? Woodward's. Woodward's, other than the didaxium system, it wasn't terribly different from other things going on in the country at the time. Sure. Which is kind of going to become important. Okay. okay. Uh, because he was following, he, he named a lot of silly stuff, but he still had this like really kind of like resuscitative model compared to what is going to happen, which is going to be a huge evolution in, anyway, anyway, anyway. anyway. Right. Um, it's 1821. Right. This now, school's yeah. been going on for four years now. <laughs> uh, but it's also become the target of ridicule across the entire country. I made fun of it. Sure, everyone will. Because it's got a dumb name, yep. and all of the things they study are stupid. They've yep. got stupid names. Governor Cass at the time re would refer to it as the Cathal, what's its name? And Wait, he, the governor just what, Michigan? Yeah, Governor Cass all right. of the ter Michigan Territory. Michigan Territory, excuse me. It's but still yeah. a territory. Yeah. Uh, he would call it the Cathal, what's its name, and he referred to the name as being pedantic and uncouth. And Justice James V. Campbell, quite the peer with Augustus Woodward, sure. he, he called it, quote, neither Greek, Latin, nor English, but merely language gone mad. 
April 30th, 1821, there was an act of the Territorial Congress. It changed the name of the institution to the University of Michigan. It abolished the didactors. And it instituted a board of trustees to rule instead. Okay, okay. Of which both of the didactors were invited to join. Now. I would like to point out. Do we have any idea whether the college was actually in place at this point? Or was it still at a primary point, school? At this point, it was still just a primary school and an academy. Nothing new. All right. Now, they did have up to... They had a second campus at one point mm-hmm. in Grand Blanc. And they had up to 200 students. But they were all primary school students. None of them were college level. And by 1827... Neither of those schools were operating at neither campus. What do you mean neither were operating? The primary schools, the academies. They shut down? They were not operating. The buildings had been leased to private teachers, and the University of Michigan only existed on paper. Still, at this point, having never actually taught a college-level class. All right, so we're already one unidecimal off, right? 1827, we're still just a unidecimal off. You can just say decennial. You don't decennial? have to say, you don't have to, you oh, don't yeah, have right. to that's include. That's right. Unless it's just a decennial law. Yeah, unless it's like something where you expect there to be two, like <laughs> Cyclops, you know. <laughs> 1835, right? So this is seven years now. The university is just on paper. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really, it's not teaching classes. It's not getting tax dollars. It's not doing anything. It's just on paper. Boards of trustees are not meeting, Okay. 1835, Michigan, the territory, writes its constitution. Michigan's constitution was pretty crazy for the time. Okay. Progressive? What? What do you mean? Well, there had just been a paper translated into English for the first time that was written for the French schools Mm -hmm. in France to learn about how they were doing public school in Prussia. Right? It was about the state of the school system in Prussia. And these two highly influential men who were, whose names I forget, who were helping to write the Michigan State Constitution adopted this Prussian model of um, kindergarten, primary, secondary, uh, public universities, uh, funded with tax dollars. They, they put all of this into our Constitution. They called right. for it. Now, the funny thing about our Constitution is that even though we wrote it in 1835... We didn't actually become a state until 1837. Any idea why? I there were a lot of Indians around putting up a fuss saying well, don't take everything. It's actually because uh, the state of or the territory of Michigan was currently embroiled in a big land dispute with the state of Ohio uh. over what it, you know over what is now called the Toledo Strip. What was you know we now know as the Toledo War. I w- I'm willing to give up Toledo. They can have that bullshit of a city. Well, it wasn't until December of 1836 when, at the Frostbitten Convention in Ann Arbor, we finally, formally as a state, decided to cede Toledo in exchange for the UP. Exactly. Right? Uh, Good choice. Yeah. So it was, so it was right after that on... The J- Frostbitten Convention. Because it was cold. I know it was cold. Well, then... I mean, I know that we're now we're with like the people that name things reasonably. Okay. But after the guys who name things stupidly... Frostbitten convention does sound pretty dumb. <laughs> no, it sounds awesome. I guess it's it frostbitten awesome. convention. I'm used to didaxiums, man. I like this didaxium stuff. Well, that's stupid. I'm gonna start calling everything stupid names. Anyways. Oh yeah, start. You're gonna start with that. <laughs> On January 26, 1837, <laughs> Michigan becomes the 26th state of the United States Union. Good for us. And one of the very first things that the newly formed Congress does on March 18th, 1837. Pay attention to this. Yeah, yeah. They passed the Organic Act. 
which creates a University of Michigan and the Board of Regents to govern it. I'm going to say it again. Okay. Because this is important. The Organic Act, quote, created, created. the University of Michigan. And according to its language, it was making it. Yeah. It did not, like... Start it up again. Yeah. It created it. All that's right. how the word... That's how the words are worded. And okay. it also established their Board of Regents, a different governing system than the original institution had. Sure. Okay. So at this point... Which actually, had they hadn't done anything, right? The original Board of Trustees, nor really the original didactors. They... They hadn't done very much. They had set up they some had primary schools. Primary schools, yeah. The, the joke is, uh, Gabriel Richard had already set up a lot of primary schools in Detroit. <laughs> uh, like, that's what he was known for. That's why he wanted to start a college. Well, good on him. I like that. Yeah, no, he's all right. There was a company at this time known as the Ann Arbor Land Company. Okay. Ann Arbor had only been a, um, a town at this point for about 12 years. And the land company heard that we were going to become a state. They wanted Ann Arbor to become the new state capital. Mm -hmm. When that fell through, because Lansing was chosen instead, they decided to give it up, to give this land up for the university. Okay. So two days after the original Organic Act was passed... They passed a second act, a second organic act, which called for the university to be built in Ann Arbor. And it also, it laid out some sort of tax structure thing. Wait, so where was the original <laughs> primary schools of this old didactic On the corner system? of Bates and Congress in Detroit. Okay, so Detroit, and, and you said they, one in like Grand Rapids they, or something? Grand Blank. Grand Blank. All right, so then the, the Ann Arbor construction starts in 89? <laughs> or what was it, 39? I actually don't know when construction starts for that. That's interesting. Right. But I know that the first Regents meeting right. in Ann Arbor was held June 5th, 1837. All right, 37. Now, let's talk about seals. Seals, right. Right, right, seals. right because schools have seals. Right, we've got a seal. Yeah. So the school, the University of Michigan right now has a seal. But that wasn't its first seal. The first seal, going all the way back to Woodward School, the epistemiad, uh, was a temple of knowledge, you know, a dome supported by pillars. Sure, kind of like, greeky, maybe? Yeah, exactly, with, yeah. A, with, a, with the light of knowledge shining down on it. It represented the temple of knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. So now, once this school forms, it had like a mystery seal that no one, it's like lost. There's not really references to it. They, they are like, they adopted a seal, but they don't, there's no drawings of it or descriptions of it. It just said <laughs> that they did adopt a seal. So no one really knows what that first seal looks like. But then they, the first one everyone remembers was the Minerva seal. And it was adopted at some point. Minerva was a goddess, right? Mm -hmm. She did cool stuff. Anyway, go. The Minerva seal had the same temple dome mm -hmm. illuminated by light, supported by pillars, except in the foreground was Minerva pointing a youth up the hill at the temple. Pointing a youth, all right. But it was still pretty similar to the cat. And this sure, is yeah, going to come back later. Another close. one of those things. So now we've got this school that's set up, right? Mm -hmm. Supported by tax dollars. Built on this Prussian model, right? Basically entirely different than what Woodward was doing. Sure. But now they've kind of borrowed the seal from him, right? Yes, they have. Okay, so it's 1841. Michigan, the University of Michigan teaches its first classes. All right, so... <laughs> Four years after the second founding, they teach their first yep. university-level classes. The uh, the LSNA school was the first school founded in 1841. And I think this sums up the whole thing better than anything else. I found this online on the 
School of Literature, Science, and the Arts timeline, okay. right? This is their own website. This is their own timeline. You can find this at lsa.umich.edu slash content slash dam slash lsa hyphen site hyphen assets slash documents slash lsa hyphen timeline hyphen two zero zero dot pdf. <laughs> now I'm quoting. 1817, the University of Michigan is founded. Very next thing. 1837, the Michigan legislature passes an act creating the University of Michigan. These are both true. Yeah, they, those are <laughs> But the, uh, the idea that these schools are the same doesn't come about until in 1850. <laughs> and oh, this, this is some wacky stuff. All right, so 1850. 1850, did you ever see The Sting? The Sting? Like yeah, did you movie. ever see the movie The Sting? Probably. Okay, so in the sting, <laughs> there's all these different like scenes and or like acts, I should wow, say. Wow, movies. Right. They're different acts, right? right? So between the acts, they show these uh, like drawn like Norman Rockwell style cards, okay, describing what's about to happen. So there's like the setup, yeah, right, and the turn, yeah, and the yeah, shutout, yeah. and then right. one is the sting, right? So imagine we're doing that right now with a bunch of like 1850s dudes standing in the 1850s Michigan Supreme Court, <laughs> and there's something underneath it that says. The retcon. The retcon, all right. Because yeah. we are now into the retcon. Yeah, we are changing history. For those of you who aren't familiar, retroactive continuity, or retcons, are what happens when, in the future, something is decided that has now altered the state of the past. <laughs> it's most often used in, like, a TV trope kind of fan down... Uh, what's a good example in TV? Or that, uh, TV, I would more argue that the easiest way is comic books. Right? Okay, so that's not the most outreaching. But, okay, right, so, so in TV, in TV. Uh, oh, like in Buffy, in Buffy. Season sure. five of Buffy, suddenly Buffy has a sister that's right, never Dawn. been around before. Little Dawn. Who but everyone, everyone just acts like she has been. She got retconned into the show. Yep. So this is our real life retcon now. In the 1850s, and there's two versions of this story, but a court case broke out. Now, the first version of this court case is that Someone at the University of Michigan figured out that they were holding land that was technically deeded to Woodward's school. Sure. At some point between the founding of the, uh, the, the modern university and the 1850s, the new university got all of the land that originally went to the old one. No one really knows. Sure, and when. this is stuff out in Detroit and stuff out in Grand Blanc. It was well, it was actually a lot of land because it was just the, all kind of at over? this point the only thing supporting the university was actually a federal land grant, which is like a whole other story sure, that right. probably isn't interesting. <laughs> but the, the point is that they they had all this land deeded to a different school. They were holding the deeds though. Yeah. So there's two versions of the story. Number one, the board of regents themselves took this to court to resolve it, whatever was going to happen. The second version that seems to pop up only in the 1920s <laughs> is that the enemies of the school, enemies of University of Michigan, argued that the schools were different because of this land dispute thing. And they were trying, and the Board of Regents had to rush into court to defend it. Uh, the first version is probably most correct. But there's also very little reason to think that the Board of Regents would take this to court unless somebody did challenge them. Yeah. But believe it or not, it's hard to find written opinions from the Supreme Court in 1850s. Oh. So we have this other interesting thing that happened in 1850s. I'd, I'd argue it was probably a son or something of Mr. Woodward or something like that who said, like, wait, I want money out of this land. Right? 
That's a fair assumption, maybe? No, not really. Yeah, okay. No, like, because the whole thing is that the founding documents that founded the original Catala Epistemiad eventually made their way to Ann Arbor and res mm -hmm. resided at the new University of Michigan. Let's talk about the 1850 Constitution of Michigan really fast, because sure. it did something to the U.S. Supreme or to our Michigan Supreme Court. It uh, made justices an elected position. Okay. So this is right after that. Our justices are now suddenly elected, and this comes into court. How old is the University of Michigan? This uh, is the case being heard in front of them, yeah. and they have two choices. Uh, it's one of the oldest ones. This side of the Mississippi. What is it, like 23 or 43 then, right? Anyways. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. Like, we're, we really have to decide how old is the university. And I will like to point out that there were only five justices at the time. Two to three of them at one point in their life had lived in Ann Arbor, especially during the founding of the modern university. But the ruling came down, quote, same legal body with the university founded in 1817. That was their final ruling. They retconned two schools into one by the virtue of having brought papers from Detroit to Ann Arbor. Sure. Uh, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying that's, that's what yeah. happened. Everything was fine about this. School started in 1817. No big problem. Yeah, we still had a university. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. But then something really interesting happened in October of 1895. 95? Okay. Yeah. Been, so it's like almost 50 years after the Supreme Court case. A new seal for the university was unanimously adopted. It's the seal that we recognize today. It has sure. the lantern of knowledge with the words uh, art, science, and truth in Latin below that. But the thing is, we took out arts from that? No, no, it's there. Art, science, truth. Oh, what was the L? Language? Literature? We took out literature for truth. This is... LSA was literature, science, art, right? Yes, but this is different than that. Yeah, yes, good on you for noticing that two of those letters line up for both of those things, but this is two different things. Yeah, but they took out literature. Isn't that rude to all the English majors? No, I think truth is probably a better thing to have as your words than literature. It's going into You're journalism. getting so distracted Anyways, here. Anyways, go on. There was a year on this seal. The previous Minerva seal didn't have a year. It okay. just had Minerva pointing the youth to the Temple of Knowledge. Because you don't need a year. This is good knowledge stuff. Yeah, so this, but this seal had the year 1837. Oh, snap. And what's really, oh, snap. what's really strange about it is that the Board of Regents don't have a description of it. They don't have a drawing of it from what they passed. All we know is that they adopted, unanimously they adopted, unanimously adopted this new, uh, and then it started being made with 1837 on it the ne next following month. It's pretty crazy. In the 1920s, 20, oh. Oh, there was a campaign to redate the seal. Right? Sure, sure. All right. This is when everything starts getting weird and vindictive. This is when the stories about the enemies of the university bringing course cases uh -huh. start popping up. And I want to start with this one quote. This is from the book, The University of Michigan by Wilfred Shaw. He was secretary general of the Alumni Association and editor of the Michigan Alumnus in 1920 when he wrote these words. Quote, it would be difficult to recognize the present university in that curiosity of educational history established by the Act of 1817 under the sonorous title Catholoepistemiad. It would be difficult to recognize the modern... He's yeah. basically saying it's hard to see them as the same thing regardless of what. This is 1920. Yeah. By 1929, we had a totally different story going. And I believe... Oh, excuse me. Eight, 1928... 
in October of 28, the regents issue a ruling saying they are going to keep 1837 contrary to the opinion of, quote, rabid alumni. Okay, okay. Rabid alumni, all right. Now something crazy happens because out of the archives, some history professor finds some of Reverend Monteith's words, the very first uh, president who's describing a seal. Okay, okay. And the seal he describes is the Temple of Knowledge with the pillars and the dome. Yeah. Which eventually made it on to the modern university's original seal with Minerva. Mm -hmm. Because they found these words. Five months later, or excuse me, seven months later, in May of 1929, the regents reverse their decision, decide that 1817 is the rightful year. That because it, the art is similar? Because they both have the same dome Look. with pillars. That so they was, decided that based on the seal, which is, you know, yeah. a cute thing to do. You know, it's not... What does a seal mean, Bob? Like, what does it act... Does it hold legal weight? Like, what's going on here? You know, it used to. It, it used, used to, okay. to because uh, there was a... That was the whole thing about we don't know what that seal looked like at the time. Mm -hmm. But if any of the any land had been deeded to the university in those times the university's official seal would have been fixed to the deed. Ah, yes. So we would have been able to just look at the deed and see what Wait, the seal are was. are we living in, like, we were 700s France where we wax seal documents? No, like? but we were living in 1850s Michigan right. where we did wax. But it wasn't <laughs> wax. It was like a stamp, you know, like yeah. this your birth uh, Yeah, something that no one can steal, you know, do anything with. Yeah, you know, seals it, are immutable. It's an official mark. Yeah. So what, <laughs> knowing what it is is important. Anyway, so the history professor, in your little sarcastic tone, found <laughs> the words of our Reverend Montague. What was Monteith. Monteith. I think it's worth <laughs> in pointing. Well, here's the thing: is like they very, it was very opportunistic to find those yes, words. Yes, it was right very then. opportunistic. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying it's you know, coincidental. It's sarcastic um, voicey. Yeah. Also, very interestingly enough, there are places still around with the 1837 seal or the 1837 date on the modern seal. Namely, the Reverend Monteith's stained glass window at the Detroit Public Library bears the year 1837. That's a little awkward. Doesn't it? Um, <laughs> also, if you look at the front of Angel Hall on Michigan's campus, yeah, it was built in 1929. The seals, 1837. It, it would have been the, uh, one of the very, very like last times the 1837 seal would have been officially used. Huh. But there it is. That's the, that's, that's, that's my story. That's my story. Ingram. I like this story. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's intense. It's an intense story. Thanks for sitting with me all through it. It's got Reverend Montague's. It's got, yeah. you know, uh, well, well, what's the funny C word I could say off of this? Chimia? Thing? Yeah. It's got, uh, it's the Catholopestemias. It's got everything. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. It's a classic Shakespearean I think, parable. I think after that, we might need a smoke break. All right, all right. So, yeah, put your notes away. Yep, so I can get them back out. That's my favorite part. That's your favorite part. And then, uh, I knew you were going to forget, but you have... Oh, I, I do the beep you've, you've got a job to do. Yeah. Uh, beep, 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 boop, boop, bam. Let's dance it out. I never take smoke breaks. I could, but I don't. I could, but I don't, cause I know There's a smoker inside of me somewhere And I don't wanna let him out So I catch myself glancing from the back seat On the trip home to Plymouth from Lansing At the pack you keep in the cup holder Bought some Marlboro 
Reds for my 18th birthday. And I smoked a couple, only a couple, and gave the rest away. Cause I don't wanna think that it's already too late. So I never take smoke breaks. Alright, cool. So let's talk about that song we just heard. They just heard. We heard it earlier. The question is, did they hear that song? Maybe yeah. they maybe they heard excerpts from our can't read the notes drive. I don't know. No. They heard the song? Alright. Yeah. It's a fun little song. It describes most of us. Yeah, well I thought it was appropriate. So most of us meaning the two of us in the car, really. So that track was <laughs> Smoke Breaks from the band Daddy and the Long Legs, who's fronted by Marco Marco Aziel. Aziel. Alright. That's a fun little band. If you guys are so inclined, there's a link in the description to the video. Well, to all the music, but to the video for that song specifically. It's a neat little video. It's worth watching. That's a fun little tune those uh, those cats put together. Don't make too much work for yourself, Bob. You're gonna have to put links now. I already got those links. Oh, nice. All right. Oh, you know what? There's shows too. Check the description. There's there's gonna t I'm gonna tell you in the description when the shows of this band. They're playing some house oh, shows. Right on. Coming up soon. This is the Daddy Long Legs guys. Yeah, the Daddy and the Long Legs, Daddy oh. and the Long Legs. Oh yeah, sure, that's funny. Yeah, I guess. yeah. So mm -hmm. make sure you check that out. Now, uh, now we're on to page Sorry. three. Oh, I gotta get my clipboard and those. Why am I uh, trying to draft read your a charter and design a seal? Uh oh, it's time for Ingram's Dance Floor. All right, have you heard of ketosis? Ketosis? Uh, no. All right, so uh, keto diet. How about that? The, the keto diet. Keto diet? No. Oh, all right, all right. So I gotta make up a whole bunch of stuff. I was hoping you knew about what it, the so then I wouldn't the have keto to just diet. run this whole thing myself. All right, so the keto diet is where. Uh... All right, so your metabolism is a wonderful thing. I love metabolism. Apparently, it was the first organism ever made. Right, the first thing that people came up with is a stomach. You gotta eat. That's what happened. The first organism was a stomach. Started eating. Then it grew everything else to help it eat. Well. Can I take it a little wider for a second? Sure, go for it. Because, like, originally the only way organisms obtained nutrients was by rubbing up against them. Sure. So eventually, to increase the surface area of what you could rub up against, uh, things became tubular. Like, long, long-shaped, yeah. oblong shapes. Nice eventually, cells yada yada. Eventually, the part of them that was good at rubbing up against stuff became too soft as armor. So they yeah. started inverting themselves and becoming worms. Yeah. And still to this day, we're basically just a worm. Like, the, there's exactly. the part of us inside of us that rubs up against <sighs> shit that absorbs nutrients. We keep it inside of us now. Mm -hmm. But we're still basically just a fucking tube with two holes at either end. Exactly, man. The wonders of evolution have always been about eating. I, oh, like, I like that as one and of the fundamentals. I, I, what, my favorite thing about evolution is that it designed us to carry around like an internalized scuba system. Yeah. I just, I love that like we walk around with like a suit of salt water, but it's <laughs> it's inside of us instead of around us. It's yeah. just cute. It's a cute thing. No, that's great stuff. Anyways, keto diets and stuff like that, yeah. Uh, spell it, K-E-T-O? Yeah, I'm oh. pretty sure it's just keto. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, so this is the idea that, like, the metabolism was, me was meant to eat certain things. Like, we evolved, like, we look for sugars because they're really high in, uh, you know, energy and, you know, calories. A lot and of calories. Yeah. yeah. High carbs. And stuff like that. But it ends up that carbs aren't amazingly good for people. Uh, most people need proteins. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it turns out that fats, proteins, and these kind of things are actually really good for long-term sustainability. Oh, yeah. 
So uh, the keto diet is something that my brother's doing right now. That's why I know about it. Is it yogurt and beef jerky? Because that's what I eat. Well, I, like, I, I, that's might, like two it, thirds of the meals I eat. Is yeah, yogurt and beef jerky. It's pretty pretty <laughs> close to that. Yeah, honestly, I think you need a bit more fat on those beef jerkies, though. Maybe some. Uh, well, yogurt's got a lot of. Anyway, yeah, yeah. anyway. But the whole idea is that you're trying to reset your metabolism from dealing with all these carbohydrates. You know, because mm-hmm. carbohydrates, we were grown on them. You know, all those wheats, all those it wonderful was, carbs were great when you would only eat one meal a day. Yeah. But like now that we eat three of them. It's probably easier to run on fats and proteins than to yeah. try to like have all these long chains. So the keto running. diet tries to you you eat a ton of fats, proteins, things like that, very as little carbs as you can manage because mm-hmm. you know they end up everywhere. You know, hot dog bun. God, why does that have to be a bread? You know, why can't it, I? I want a hot dog. I need a bun. That sucks. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just alternatively. Yeah. You could put it in some baked beans. That's nice. That's and that's nice. protein right there. Yeah. A little bit of sugar. You'd be good at this diet, though. <laughs> Anyways, so I the like idea is to try and reset the metabolism to start working on fat base instead. Because, like, you store up fat when you eat carbohydrates. Any fat you do eat, it says it's not a carbohydrate. Store it away. Put okay, some pounds so, on the okay. body. Put some pounds my, my on it. My first reaction to all of this sure, is ahead. that if this turns into a... Bob, what if I could tell you that I could sell you your next 12 meals nah, don't for only ten ninety nine? Okay. I just think it's kind of fun. <laughs> you know, my brother's trying it out. He's already lost 26 pounds. It's wonderful. Like, oh, I'm really wow. happy for him. I'm super happy. But uh, I, I, I like the science behind it. Because mm-hmm. you're because my metabolism, this is part of my vanity. You know, like, I'm vain about a couple of things. You know, my hair is wonderful. My personality is all right. My metabolism, <laughs> I've been able to do anything I want to. I've been able to eat, like, oh. You know those little, like, Chinese girlgirls who win all the food-eating competitions and they're little skinny things, and you're like, how, how is she supposed to beat the giant American huge guy that's trying to eat all the hot dogs? And she just eats all the hot dogs. Yeah. That's like me. My metabolism is so wonderful. I love it. But some people's metabolism does not do that at all. They decide that they are going to do some carbs, and every single fat, you know, cell they get is going to go straight into pounds, you know, just pound it up on the body. Okay, so, th- so is, what do you do? is this you bragging about your fast metabolism? Of course, I love my metabolism. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> really, it's not a very charismatic rant, that's all I'm saying. There's <laughs> probably fine. not a lot of people being like, yeah, that, that speaks to me. Uh, <laughs> but no, so you trick your body into working on fats again. Like, you, you ignore carbohydrates, all those kind of things as best you can. You ignore sugars, and you go straight back on the fats. And then, all of a sudden, your body just starts using up the fat that you have on your yeah, body. Yeah, this isn't terribly different. This, this is basically my understanding of what the Atkins diet was. Yeah, I, it's, yeah. Atkins, okay. keto, sure, why not? Call them the same thing. Fuck it. Okay. But uh, I, think it's, I think it was marvelous, and apparently it actually works, and I'm happy about it. Awesome. Yeah. So, and, you know, like... <sighs> If people could have my metabolism, they would. This is a way to get it. Except, you know, you just eat burgers all day. But not something. the buns. Yeah, not the buns. That's a tough bit. That's a real tough bit. Me, I can do the buns for some reason. I'm wonderful. But. <laughs> Anyways, that was okay dance for, yeah. Okay, well, if anyone has any thoughts on Ingram's keto diet, <laughs> you can pass those along to at Ipsy Arbor on Twitter. Or send us an email to ipsyarborcast at gmail.com. What do you eat most of the time? You said you eat uh, yogurt. beef jerky yogurt. yogurt? Yeah, well, or like beef sticks, meat sticks. Or yeah. like, I mean, I also eat a lot of gyros. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I eat a lot of beans, a lot of rice. 
Good stuff. Good stuff. Anyway, uh, Ingram. Hi, bub. They recently found an artifact from ancient Egypt that okay. they had previously thought had been totally destroyed. It just turned up. Okay, uh, I'm not going to guess at it. I'm not going to guess what it was. Oh, no? Um, Cleopatra's scepter? Oh, okay, God, no, no, you're not going to guess that at all. I thought maybe you were going to guess, like, the story uh, I was about to talk about. the statue of original No, you're not, it's not a famous artifact Oh, it's anything. not a famous, yeah, so, oh, yeah, right, I won't just, guess it. They That's just thought it was gone, first. and they found it. Okay, right. so, <laughs> it was a team of Berlin-based archaeologists sure. recently dug up this old, I want to say it's a tablet of cuneiform. Oh, cuneiform. Or, yeah, like, maybe, maybe hieroglyphics. Or maybe something. I don't know. Anyway, the point is they found it in the basement at the Kelsey Museum. U of what? M's Archaeology Museum. How's that? State. Wait, they, they, they did archaeology on a museum? Yeah, they were just digging through the collection and they found a tablet that they had previously thought was totally destroyed. Sure, I should start doing this. Sounds good. So the tablet. All right, let's... let's all right, so there's a tablet. Sure. Now let's talk about this dude. His name's Elliot Goodsmith. Goodsmith? All right. Elliot Goodsmith was a French-Dutch Jew who was born in the 1920s, I want to say. He was a physicist. Okay. He escaped World War II. He came to the U.S. He started working for the Manhattan Project. He was kind of a spy. His job was to determine what Germany knew about the atomic bomb. Okay. But he was also an amateur Egyptologist. Sure, why not? And he collected a lot of Egyptian artifacts over his life. And when he died, his collection got broken up and passed about... Long story short, some of it wound up at the Kelsey Museum, but apparently they didn't do a very good job cataloging it because when these Berl uh, when these German archaeologists were digging through, they, they 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 found this artifact that they thought it was lost forever to the sands of time. But now here it is. That's awesome. What does it do? What does the artifact do? It's just a tablet summon, with some writing on it. Doesn't summon locusts or nothing? Oh, I don't think it's. I don't know. Nope. I don't <laughs> think so. But uh, all right. So they just they found something they thought they lost. Mm -hmm. Does it have pertinence to something big? Like, this is neat. It's just, okay. Do you want it to be something cooler? Well, I mean, yeah, but, Ideally, what would it have been uh, to you? The last words of Amon Ket or something. I don't, is uh, Amon, Amon Ket, Ket. Is that a guy? <laughs> Probably. I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't sound familiar. I don't know. Uh, the the 15 commandment, commandments that came out of Egypt instead of, you know, the other place? Like... 15? That's like yeah, a, that's like that Monty Python bit. I bring you the fifteen or uh, no history bit. of the world. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, excuse, how, exactly. Did you ever mix up history of the world part one with Life of Brian? There. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, uh, nothing about the artifact though. Like they were glad they found it though, huh? Yeah, they were really pumped to have found it, and it's getting returned to Egypt. Is it going to be one of those translation things, like the Rosetta Stone or something? I don't think or? so. I'm sorry it I wasn't spectacular enough to... The, the specific artifact. I don't know. Honestly, I thought the story of Elliot Goodsmith, the fucking no, French-Dutch Jew physicist Egyptologist guy, it's was a lot cooler. fantastic that he dug up in a museum ancient Egyptian things that were supposed to be lost. That's well, fantastic. he didn't dig anything up. He, he just He put had, it there? No, he was just a dude who owned it at one point. And oh. then his collection... He owned an artifact that was previously thought destroyed, but, like, he didn't know... Do you, you think he was one know? of those evil guys that just, like, collected artifacts and, oh, like, no. just kept them to himself? No, I don't think anybody? he was an evil dude at all. all right. He worked for the Manhattan Project. Those were all were super <laughs> stand-up dudes from the top to the bottom, from Oppenheimer all the way to Goodsmith. Okay, so that's page three. All right. Bar to you, bye. Uh, who? 
Oh, for, for, for me. Yeah, for me. you got to start coming up with stuff. I've decided that season two is going to be the season where you actually produce stuff. Instead of... Uh, Do you mean produce beforehand or in the moment stuff? Well, I mean, I, you're not terribly rocking the in the moment currently. Well, I'm this... Oh. What is it brought to you by? Uh, I don't know. I like that... Uh, I like the movie Mr. Nobody. That was a good movie. Can oh, it be yeah? brought to that brought to us by Mr. Nobody? I yeah, think sure. What's Mr. That. Nobody? It's it's a very interesting uh, ex- existential film that actually gives you cinematic uh, examples of existentialist issues, which not many movies do. They they pose a question, they go through some drama. Question might and might not have been answered, but uh, this Mr. Nobody, they actually uh, do some very nice visual and uh, good examples of stuff. Okay. Enjoyed. It's got uh, what's his name? Uh, not Jake Gyllenhaal, the other one. Toby McGuire. Nah, he was. He did a band thing. Why can't I think of his name? Band thing? Yeah, he was in a band. I think it's Third, third. Rivers or Joaquin Phoenix. Ah, uh, I'm gonna feel so bad. That I'm gonna fill up so much time with this, but we have editing, right? Yeah. Uh, Jared Leto. That's Jared the one. Jared Leto. Leto. Okay. Yeah, it has Jared Leto. I get him and Ju- uh, Hall in the same group quite often. Interesting. But yeah, it's got Jared Leto. So it's like, I like that movie. I think more people should see it. Okay. For sure. <laughs> you heard it here first, Ipsy Arbor Reels, Mr. Nobody. Well, that brings us on to page four. Ingram, for page four, I thought we could do a little local flavor. Sure, sure. As though that isn't the flavor, the main flavor of our fucking show. Well, I mean, is it good flavor or is it besmirching the university flavor? It's bubblegum ice cream flavor. Oh, nice. I always like that one. Oh, shit. I just made that up. I didn't know you were going to be so into that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's just local flavor. It's June. So what happens in June? Top of the park. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you could go check out your clipboard and notes. Which I can read because I don't uh, have to drive. You've got a light right here. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Let's so if you that. Well, no, no, no. Wait, really? Okay. Like, look. Look at my hand. See how there's a light? There? Yeah, see, there's a map. Where's that light? Oh, is that little dot there? Okay, once again, another bit that's totally <laughs> lost on our listeners, but Ingram <laughs> discovered the map light today. So start off with the dates and then read oh, the movies. Oh, is this what they're showing at top of the park? Yeah. So go- Ah, wonderful. Okay, so start at the top, read the date, let's talk about these movies. All right, Sunday, uh, 6-11. What's the number six months? June? June 11th. It's June. So this is this month? It's a week from today. Holy well, moly. I guess we it's gotta, gonna be this coming Sunday. We gotta start making up this. some plans. Make up the plans, guys. Uh, we're, we're talking Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's the Harry Potter, uh, spinoff. Yep. Harry Potter spinoff film. With, what's his name? The older brother of the, uh, twins? Uh, what? Weasleys? Isn't it the older brother of the Weasleys? Oh, no. No. Who is it? His name's Newt Scamander. He's just a dude. He wrote the book. It's got a Polish dude in it. I thought the Weasley brothers or whatever... Nope. ...had an older brother that was out doing this cool stuff. They do. But that's not who this movie's about. Really? Yep. Okay, well, you might skip that Sunday because I've not heard very good things about this movie and I continue to hear them as I ask questions. (laughs) All right. But, ooh, we got a fantastic Tuesday coming on the 13th. We got a Groundhog's Day. June 13th, Groundhog Day. Is that one Day. of your favorites? I do love Groundhog Day. Yeah, it's a wonderful film. If you've never seen it, watch it eight times. <clears throat> well, oh. I mean, if you've never seen it, just set some time aside, because the first time you see it, you're going to keep seeing it until you fucking get it. Yeah. So. All right, back into the map light, as we call it. Was that bit cerebral? 
Was that a cerebral bit? No, it's Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Everyone knows Groundhog Day. Oh, okay. You're fine. Uh, Wednesday, Doctor Strange. That was a good movie. You seen that one? No. No, you asked me that 40 minutes ago, and I said no. Remember that? Well, we're on, on air Oh, now. but now we're on air. Okay. Sure. And also, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that movie. I don't like Cumberbatch much, but I like the movie. I, I really don't like Cumberbatch. He just, he got all the, he got all the roles. He got right. all of he them. He got Khan. He got Sherlock Holmes. He got Smaug. Doctor Strange. He got Smaug. He got Smaug, Smaug and yeah. Khan. Fuck that. I can't believe it. Oh, on uh, Thursday, we've got the new Ghostbusters, the 2016, with the uh, female cast. We have the new Ghostbusters. Now, if you act, if you were one of the people who like didn't want to deal with the drama of everyone hating people that did go, hating people that didn't go, whatever. Haven't seen it let's, yet. Let's personally. just go all see it together. I, I was thinking Thursday. we should go see it. Yeah, and, I think uh, on Thursday, let's just all go see it. Okay, this Thursday. Yeah, and give it a good or no a week from good this chance. Thursday. Give it a great chance. Say the Open date mind. again. The June uh, Thursday, the fifteenth. June fifteenth. We're gonna go see Ghostbusters. Word. And uh, ooh, nice Sunday the eighteenth. We got a uh, classic Willy Wonka. Yep. The classical. Yep, with uh, Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. Yeah. Did you like how Has I? Has he I, died yet? I, I, I yes, he he died. God damn it! Recently. Uh, did you like how I wrote down which years the ones came in that were? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you didn't do that, I'd make a fool of myself, I bet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tuesday on the 20th, Hidden Figures. I haven't heard this one. Tell me about Hidden it. Hidden Figures is a film about three African-American women who go off to work for a fledgling NASA. It is an untold true story about the, the black women that helped to build NASA. Right on. And I, I'm kind of sad to say I haven't seen it because it sounds kind of right up my alley. As ridiculous as that is to say. I, 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 well, maybe we'll do I a like Tuesday showing. Go huh? figure. I like the untold historical stories of things. Yeah. So maybe we'll do a Tuesday showing of that because, you know, Go Bob check needs out to see some it. hidden figures. And uh, let's see. we got Wednesday on the 21st. Good morning, Vietnam. That's the... Uh, Robin Williams. Robin Williams. That's right. He has a lot of fun in wartime. Mm-hmm. I never actually saw much of that. I don't remember it being my favorite film, but I also don't remember being, like, an adult having seen it. Maybe yeah. it's good for, like... I bet it might be a bit more fun. But I'll bet you there's an authority figure that doesn't want him to have fun. Well, I'll sure, bet- that goes without saying. <laughs> Thursday on the 22nd, Say Anything. Why do I know that film? That's the Cusack film. Cusack, That's the old right, classic right. John Cusack holding up the boombox in the rain song, or yep. movie. Oh, next up, we got a nice Sunday on the 25th, Secret Life of Pets. You got little chillings? Bring them to that. My kid sat, well, my nephew, sat through about 20 minutes of that, which is a lot. You know, that movie captures kids in a way that you didn't think possible, man. 20 minutes, them paying attention, huge. It's got Louis C.K. It did. Yeah, sounds kind of cool. Well, I, this might be my anti-Cumberbatch of you, but I, I never liked C.K. that much. I think he's all right. I, th- I really like his TV show. He did a three-part episode where he, like, uh, tries to become, uh, like, the host of The Tonight Show. He tries to become, like, a guy who could do that. Yeah. And it, it's a three-part episode, and it, like, follows this weird Rocky story arc. And it's just, it's a really well, it's a really well-done bit of television. See, my problem with Louis C.K. is that he seems so much like the comedian where the audience says, it's funny because it's true. Oh, I don't like, think. Like, oh, I don't, okay. I never like that response to a joke. You might want to see his, his newest special because it is not funny because it's true. It's funny because it's fucking horrible, but... All right. <laughs> I don't know. He's a, he's a thoughtful dude. All right. Tuesday on the 27th, Men in Black. 
I, 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 I consider that in the classic films, you know, alongside Cosmic That Blanca. first Men in Black movie is really yeah. effing good, dude. Like, it's, it's pretty classic. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure I've ever seen the second or third ones, but I know that first one's really Whoa, good. Whoa, how'd they get this one? Wednesday the 28th, they got Force Awakens, the big Disney Stars, Star Wars. Yep, big, you can go see Star film. Wars downtown. That'll be fun. Yeah, if you, if, if you didn't pay money in the first place, you know, go hang out with your friends, watch the new Star Wars. Uh, ooh, ooh, snap. Yeah, Thursday, the 29th, we got Beetlejuice. Uh, now that... Wait, wait, which one? Be- Beetlejuice. Oh, wait, what? which film? Be- ah, fuck uh, off. <laughs> Almost got me there, Bob. Almost got me. Almost got me, man. I ain't summoning no Beetlejuice. Whoops. Anyways. <laughs> <coughs> Good stuff, good stuff. Did you did you plan that one? No, that just popped up in my head. Nice, right then. dude. Nice. Know. And I'm glad I had a retort for it. My goodness. But yeah, Thursday the 29th, we got a Beetlejuice. I expect the entire town to be outside watching, trying to get a view of that one. Do you want to do a Beetlejuice costume contest? Costume contest? No, uh, zero budget costume contest. Where we just judge people that show up in costume? No, I was just thinking you and I could fight Beetlejuice costumes, but zero budget. Like, we won't, neither of us will spend money on it. We just have to find shit around our house to dress up like Beetlejuice. Nope, we don't have to. I want to judge people that show up in costume. Because they will, right? It's Beetlejuice. Okay, sure. All right, all right. We'll see. Maybe I'll show up in a suit of some kind that tries to be pinstripes. Uh, Sunday, the, 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 the next month on the 2nd. Yes. July. It's La La Land. July is the month yeah, after July, June. yeah, thank you. I, I never learned my months. Isn't that funny? Anyways, <laughs> Sunday, July 2nd is La La Land. La La uh, Land. That is, is that the musical? Yeah, that's the Emma Thompson, uh, Ryan Gosling. <clears throat> I heard good things about it. I heard, her, I heard horrendous things about it. Did you? Oh, snap. Well, I guess I heard it was like light and fluffy and your mom would like it, but I also heard that they were looking at their feet a lot. And Ryan Gosling isn't really a song and dance man, so trying to make him one is weird. Yeah. Okay, okay. So we're going to go there to that one to debate it. Okay. Oh, shit, are we going to... Did you just commit me to go to all of these fucking movies? Well, there's only... We're only going to, like, five. Which ones? Uh, We're going to Groundhog's Day because it'll be... Because it's important to see it as many times as you can. Doctor Strange, because you haven't seen it, right? I want to see Doctor Strange. Of course you want to see Doctor Strange. It's Marvel. I hate Marvel. Why do you hate Marvel? Because I'm over age 27. That's like the cutoff. Is like, I just don't care anymore. I feel, every time, okay, okay. Every time I go to see a Marvel movie, I feel like I'm watching an ad for the movie coming out next year. I never feel like I'm actually watching a movie anymore. I exclusively feel as though I'm watching the prequel to the next thing. And then that feels like a prequel. And I just don't appreciate that anymore. I like that stance. But think, if you like the movie you did see, <laughs> then them telling you that there's a new cool movie coming up is even better. Right? I, okay, that, that makes sense. All right. I guess I'm in the camp that doesn't enjoy the movie I see, though. So. Ouch. All right. Okay. Uh, Ghostbusters, we're definitely going to have to go see because I there was so much drama. There was so much drama. We have that. to just, we have to figure it out, Bob. Okay. And uh, Willy Wonka, a classic? Eh. I could take or leave Willy Wonka, honestly. I'm not here I've to begrudge anybody times. about it. I just, I've seen it a lot in my life. Yep. And, and uh, it, it, it starts off rough with the, uh, the mother's song that is, you know, kind of sad and, I don't know. Remember the one where she's like doing laundry and stuff? Yes, I. Yes, yes. It's a tough one, man. 
yeah, the, the first act of that film drags really hard. It's necessary that it drags hard. Uh, it's like, do you, do you remember the episode of The Simpsons where Bart goes to the box factory? It starts off, box, Bart goes to a box factory on a field trip. Sure. And it's, like, boring and dumb. And okay. you, you, I, I remember watching it and being like, why is this episode of The Simpsons so fucking boring? Why did they go to a box? But the answer is, later he gets famous. He, like, works for Krusty and he becomes fa- Like, all of that Krusty shit wouldn't have seemed anywhere near as spectacular if they hadn't gone to a box factory at the beginning, you know? Right. So it's the same thing as Willy Wonka. It would have been just a bunch of crazy crap on the wall if we yeah. hadn't been in his one-room depressing-as-fuck house for the first True, true, true. minutes of that film. All right, uh, <laughs> Hidden Figures, right? You're going to go see that. Yeah, I'll maybe, go see Hidden maybe, Figures. Maybe, maybe. If Bob calls me and t- drives me there, might do. <laughs> uh, good morning, Vietnam. Give or take. Nah. Say anything. I like Cusack, but you know, that's I like I like him my, on my couch. It's one of my that's least favorite. I like, Cus- I like most movies on my couch. Secret Life of Pets. I might take my little nephew out there. You get to meet a little kid if you show up. Uh, Men in Black, classic. Gotta don't go see it. Don't encourage people to come meet your nephew. Why not? He's sociable. He says words. Yeah, but that just seems like a. I don't know, it seems like a, a certain gentleman might show up. A, cer- a certain type of person might show up now. Well, Jays. <laughs> I mean accountants. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I hate those fucking accountants. All right, Men in Black, wonderful classic. Have to go see it because, you know, who wouldn't? Force Awakens. I mean, if We're you just reliving the list now. Yeah, if you haven't seen the movie... Go see it. Why not? It's a free Star Wars. Okay, Why so pick, like, four. Oh, pick four? That you like, and me are going to see, or just you? Who? Or, like, pick two that Bob's we'll, going to we'll go do. see Doctor Strange. No, I don't want to We're do both going to go see Ghostbusters. Okay, so let's go, okay, Ghostbusters. Bob's going to go see Hidden Figures. I'm going to see The Secret Life of Pets. I'm going to see Men in Black, and Bob's going to have some weird stance about it. I like Men in Black just fine. You gonna come see it with me? You know, there's a line in Men in Black, you know that thing that bounces all around and causes all that havoc? Yeah. When Tommy Lee Jones catches it, he says it was a practical joke by the Great Attractor. Yeah, right? The Great Attractor is like the the thing they used to call the big swirling mass of dark matter in the one side of the universe. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's good. It's just, that's such a great fucking like Easter egg joke thing to have. It's wonderful. It's uh, it's an instant classic. All right, so I'm going to go see Secret Life of Pets. We're both seeing Men in Black. Okay, so... Uh, so okay, no. That, 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 that there, there it is. That okay, so it? Ipsy Arbor Reels. Thursday, June 15th, <laughs> Ghostbusters. We are all going to go see Ghostbusters. And then, what was the other one? Men in Black. You're going to see Hidden Figures, and you're going to talk with cerebral no, people no, about, about how great that is. Our show is going to Oh, our show is going to do that? Our show will be at Ghostbusters. Our show will be, we'll at, be at Men, Men in Black. Black. Okay, so and, then... And uh, maybe Beetlejuice? What do you think? Meh... Oh yeah, I mean, we I've seen a lot. Beetle- oh, Beetlejuice yeah, we is pretty fun. Beetlejuice, yeah, fuck Ben and Black. Beetlejuice, it'll be Beetlejuice. So we're um, only doing two movies, not three. We'll do two. Okay. Ghostbusters on the fifteenth, Beetlejuice on the 29th. Set it in fucking stone. All right. Okay, so that was page four. I like how I always make your segments that should be small, very big. Page four was brought to us by the people. Oh yeah, the people, right? We all we love the people. Yeah, thanks, people. You you're the re- you're the real stars out there. And we're just the people on Earth looking at you. Isn't that weird sounding? Yeah, that's fucked up, dude. (laughs) All right, well, uh, until next time, MCR Reels, uh, keep your foot on the ground unless you're trying to pick apples. Okay, okay. Then you use a ladder. Yeah. All right. Have a good night, guys.
See, I'm not going to do the catchphrase this time. I'm not always going to do the catchphrase. Okay. That's season two. Season two, we're going to drop... Season two, dropping the catchphrases. Maybe that's the name of the episode. Dropping the catchphrase. Episode 17, season two. How about dropping our catchphrases? But then we're still gerunding all the titles. <laughs> it's going to be a long titled episode today. Yeah. All right. Well, take it easy, dude. It's right good seeing you. Likewise. I'll, uh... I, I guess I'll call you soon because we gotta go see fucking Ghostbusters. Yeah, when is that? Like three days? No, it's a week from three days. It's ten days. Wow, I was close. Kind of. Yeah, you were closer than most days in history, I suppose. Take it easy. I wish I knew how to calm the fuck down without attracting such attention to myself involving everyone out. I know that I should just leave. But if I went home now, I probably couldn't.